0: Some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current
1: moment. Who are you
0: people? I want a coffee!
1: You, you, you are now tuned in. Five, four, three, two, one. Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios.
2: It's Rob San and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to another edition of Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. So good to have you with us. We hope life is treating you well. My partner, how are you?
0: I'm good. It's been uh, at, at least close to, for me anyway, to have somewhat of a sweater weather, like sweater weather. You know, I was talking about how I was ready for fall and I feel like it's slowly getting there. My uh, daughter and I went to a high school football game on Friday night and it was like the perfect football forecast like it wasn't too cold wasn't too windy the rain held off till the end of the game so it was great so i'm i'm a happy camper
2: well and i know you weren't crying that alabama lost not to i'm you know i've made someone aggravated right about now but i did think (laughs) of you and think well ace is not Losing well, any sleep over that.
0: I can't say much considering <laughs> Tennessee lost to Florida badly. So uh, it's like eh. I, I, our, our mutual friend, Andrew, who's also a Vols fan, he and I just console each other. You know, it's like, Hey man, it's like, yeah, no, know. you know, but it's the way it is, man. It's college football. It happens.
2: It, it happens. And God happens. The big breaking news out of Auburn this week, we would be remiss if we did not mention it. Here's a student at a meeting, a regular gathering, Unite Auburn, that just is kind of eclectic. It started with a couple of students that just wanted to worship. They got together. It grew. Then someone offered to pay for guests and artists. And so passion, the band came in. Jenny Allen, who's a well-known author, came to Auburn and one student wanted to be baptized. And before you knew it, they all ended up at Auburn's red barn is like a big pond behind this business. And 200 are baptized, mm. the football coach showing up to baptize one of mm. his players. And the outbreak of Jesus, they say the failing of the Holy Spirit. Jenny Allen had just spoken, was in her business attire, Mm. and just threw everything down and went in the water because there weren't enough people to baptize students. Wow. And I I get chills just thinking about it. I have so many friends that have sons and daughters there who are thrilled about this outbreak because, you know, there's a lot of pain in the world. We just yeah. hear about depressed students and terrible things happening and crime and, and the pain of life. And then there is a reminder that God happens. Yeah. Outreach takes place and he is reaching souls and miracles are happening. And when that student said, I want to be baptized, there wasn't an excuse. Well, we don't have a place to go. Mm-hmm. They dropped everything and went to the water.
0: <laughs> See, and this is where I love, this is where my love of the drive of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, we, we, for years, and I know I was guilty of this, so I'm blaming myself as well, of, you know, you you go into a church or you go into a camp setting or something and, and you go, you know, Lord, we invite you, your presence to this place. Okay, first of all, he's already been there. Second of all, he's already been in the people who are now gathered together, you know, where the two or more are gathered, right? So we're there together in our faith, in our wanting to experience God and hear from him. And so the gatherings like that, that just spontaneously come together, I mean, to me, that's, you know, when you hear, well, we need revival, that's what we're talking about. We don't need somebody to organize, you know, a week in September, We need just the Holy Spirit to take over and for us to recognize that the Spirit is moving us into a place to gather. And that's, that's what I hear when you think about what's happening there and when you think about what happened earlier in this year with the Kentucky revival. I mean, all of these things happen because the Holy Spirit was already at work. You didn't have to pray him into that.
2: Exactly. And there's no denying it. That's what everybody's saying. The palpable presence of God was so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, students are facing a lot right now, and they're just going into the water and just yeah. giving their lives. Oh, it's pretty amazing. So there's some great breaking news this week to share. There. Why did Jesus say, I am the light of the world? Why have you ever thought of that? And it happened at a time when he said that in John 8, 12, that is, Really, not what you would expect. He did this at the moment that the woman was caught in adultery and brought to the temple. And we all know what happened after that. So there are several reasons that he said he's the light of the world. He's revealing his identity as Lord God. You know, mm-hmm. the Pharisees were like, you don't call yourself God. Yeah, Don't make that mistake. And it was pretty hard to argue with that also jesus reveals himself as the light of the world so believers should not abide in darkness we're going to sin it's part of our nature but when when we want to bathe in sin and hide in darkness it's going to take over this is the devil's world and so jesus by being the light and just a little bit of light takes over all the darkness Mm. you know we're drawn to the light which is christ
0: Yeah, and I love it. And I don't know if you were with me when this happened, but I've experienced it a couple different times, being a concert guy, like going to events when everybody, like all the lights are out and everybody turns their cell phone light on. And I've been at two concerts, I think, in the last year that this has happened. And it is such an example, because if Jesus is the light and then he lives in you, then you also are the light to the world. So think about being in a room that's pitch black, and just one person comes in with their cell phone light, and it's a little bitty beam, right? But you at least have a place, okay, that's my focal point. That's the light that keeps me from tripping over the chairs in front of me. Someone is providing some sense of standard. So Jesus is the standard. We're to be Christ-like. But then, then other people go, well, maybe I should turn my light on. So as other people's lights are coming on, and it's the whole thing we were talking about with the revival and, and, and the baptisms, this surgence of Christ coming out you know, of every pore and beaming to the world is powerful, because then there's not a single expensive light on in these coliseums where these lights from a cell phone, but it illuminated to the point that it was not dark anymore. So imagine that when you think about Christ and Jesus being the light, because we now can also be that to people. Because how many times have we heard he takes a mess and makes a message? And that's what happens when you share what you went through and how God healed you from what you're going through. That's you being the light into that person's life because they think, well, there's no way that I'll ever be able to rise out of that. Just like we thought, I'll never be able to rise out of it. And only only God can help you to heal from those dark places.
2: Amen. And and it made me think, too, about death experiences when people, what do they always say? I saw light. Mm. There's a tunnel and I saw light. Mm-hmm. They always see light. And yeah. so it gives us great hope. It's something to get excited about. Gen X is in charge and they're doing things differently. da. They're much more laid back, they're much more flexible, but it's really funny because people assume that Gen X is all about flexible hours, but guess who is even more into flexible hours? The boomers got a taste of it, Mm-hmm. And they're taking care of parents and older kids, and they're yep. exhausted, and they're working both ends, and they loved the flexibility that came from pandemic. So everybody assumes that, hey, the young people want flexibility, the old people want to go to the office and mix it up and have meetings but no it's it's really the opposite a lot of people now really want to be flexible and they have found that one area where things have changed drastically is people are only getting a suit now for a wedding or a funeral they're not wearing them even in really uptight very corporate settings people mm-hmm. have really gotten away from the demand the man to have a suit
0: yeah Well, and the thing I will say, because as a latchkey kid, there is something to be said about the type of leaders that we can be, and not calling myself a leader, but if God so chooses to put me in that setting, but it's with the mindset of that we were taught self-reliance. Like, you can say what you want about our parents or like kicked us out and told us not to come home until, you know, the, the porch <laughs> light was on, you know, and that's true. We all were <laughs> that. We were on our bikes. We were, you know, eating now and laters and playing Atari. I mean, that that is us. But we learned that, you know, when you fall off your bike, you get up and you keep going with a bloody knee and you didn't come in crying about it, you know, and, you know, it, it just... I hope that's what we can pass on to our kids, even though there are things that I feel like we still are very safe about at times, maybe too safe. Uh, I don't want to say enabling our children, but I know I've probably been guilty of it just as much as any of us. But what is it that we are passing on as leaders, as parents, if we're Gen X, toughen up, let's trudge through together. You've been through this. Hey, me too. You know, high fives. Let's, you know, hold hands and, we'll be all right. But, you know, I, 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 I welcome it. I, I, am not afraid. And, and we're also out of, what's the best word I can say this colorfully in, um, <laughs> we're not, we we don't put up with crap, you know? And I think that's the thing I love about a certain kind of leadership from Gen X is that we, we, we have to be able to press forward with the mindset of that. Okay roll off your back. There's work to be done. You know, you can you can your emotions are real. I mean, there are times I have to process things verbally, but I have to process them mentally and emotionally before I can move past. But sometimes you got to do it quicker because there's things to be done, there's fun to be had, there's relationships to invest into.
2: But you're responsible, self-reliant. I think that's missing a little bit in this day and age. And among Christians, I think we've got the excuses, well, the devil's preventing me from X, Y, and Z. It's the enemy preventing me. When I did gently point out to somebody, you can't care for others in ministry if you can't even take care of you. Put on your oxygen mask. You know that old saying of, When you can breathe, you can help others to breathe. And it may not be the enemy. It may mean that you need to get after it (laughs) and make it happen.
0: Well, and someone that's caring about you is Teren and the team at Birmingham Mortgage Group, because they want to make sure that you are getting into that dream home, that you can afford it, that it feels like a blessing, that it doesn't feel like a curse payment every month, and finding out programs that are catered specifically to your family's needs. He's been in business for years, helping families from a Christ-centered focal point. Talk about a Gen X guy who is taking care of people. That's Teren Newell in Birmingham Mortgage.
2: He researches it all and Ace and I and a lot of our friends have personal experience. This is not something, well, we met him. He's nice. Now we're going to talk about him. I mean, I'm in my house because of him. I'm so grateful every day for that because ours was a really tumultuous, crazy situation. Mm -hmm. Happens when, you know, you go through divorce and so we're grateful you will be, too. You're going to love to run. Give him a call today and just see what he can do about getting you in your dream home at a rate that you can afford. 205-259-1656 is the number to call. behammortgage.com. You're going to love it. Now, what does the Bible say about rest? This is so good, and it's really Helping me because if you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? A lot of times I go, oh, I'm so busy, or the other thing is I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'm just de- because life is crazy, and so how did Jesus respond? He said, "Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest." Mm-hmm. Now, did He say you have to act all happy and joyful and be like, okay, Jesus, I'm here now. Help me rest. Yeah. He is saying come to me as you are, come to me, weak, vulnerable, upset, scared, sad. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he experienced all of that. He knows what we go through and he is there to be that buffer, to be I never understood what you know what the yoke meant that he walks alongside you like the oxen and has a hold of you. And I don't know about you. But there have been times in my life when I've needed to be held
0: mm-hmm. that
2: casting crown song be held that makes me cry every time I hear it. Yeah. Sometimes we hurt and we need a master who loves us and holds us.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love, I think it was when I was probably in middle school, I heard this analogy of that, you know, Jesus is a crutch. Well, no, actually, he's a stretcher. You know, <laughs> he wants you yes. to lie down and to rest and, and let yourself be in his presence so that he can. I mean, think about when you were sick, you know, and your mom would, you know, be there. She would make sure that you had, you know, everything you need to to, to rest so your body could heal itself. Right. Right. And that's how I always envision how God wants us to rest in him is to just, because he's big enough. He already knows what you're facing. He already knew you were going to face it before you did. So he's already going to provide the solution, but he's going to use it to draw you closer to him. But we have to rest so that there's silence, so that ultimately there's peace. That's where I'm at now in my life is if anything takes my peace or my joy, it's too expensive. And so resting is the only time that we can really, at least I can truly hear from God is when I'm in those moments, okay, okay, God, and he'll go, okay, you, you know what to do, right? And I go, yes, <laughs> sometimes, and if I don't, he'll tell me, but I have to be resting to get that from him.
2: Well, and we don't have quiet enough, you know, we're mm. just, we got to have a TV going, We go, we wake up to noise. We're with noise all day. We can't be alone and silent in the car. And I don't know about you, but God seems to want to talk to me when I'm in the car. <laughs> and if
0: there's, I mean, some sometimes silence. he'll penetrate through a song. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I I, will say I'm always listening to music, but even a song that may not necessarily be a worship song, it might be a line, but it just penetrates like, oh, that, I need a minute. That's stung, you know. But a lot of times that's him saying, all right, over all this noise, listen to me.
2: Listen to me, exactly. So how long does it take men and women to say I love you for the first time according to research? Well, let's dive into a survey of 1,000 men and women. They were asked specifically how long did it take? Well, those surveyed say you should wait at least three months. But surprisingly, a large number of men, twice as likely as women, will declare their love in one week.
0: I was two weeks with Tommy. <laughs> two I was. Weeks? I was. But the thing for me, I was on this journey with God of after going through divorce, being in a bad relationships and orchestrating things that I thought was love or thought was his you know orchestration, but really was me just trying not to be alone or wanting to be alone. I had to get to that place where I was okay with me. And I was like, okay, God, you know, I like this about this girl, but I know she's not the one. And I like this about this girl, but I know she's not the one. Can we like combine all these into one person <laughs> and so that's what he did. He gave me, and 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 since I've realized not only did he exceed that list in my own heart, oh. but he gave me things in Tawny that I never even realized I needed. And it's it's kind of cool to think about that. But she, we joke about the fact that I told her I loved her after two weeks. But I was in love with her before I met her. Like, I already knew what I was looking for. And when I'm seeing all of these things, and I'm like, okay, she's if she's not the one, I'm really going to be crushed. And, you know, and it worked out, but yeah, I was, I was two weeks in and I was like, I love you. She's like, what? And it took her a little longer, but she got there and I think she was feeling it, but I think she was blown away that I was so quick to just express myself. So
2: It's so romantic. Ace, that's so cool. I didn't realize that. I thought I knew everything about you, but.
0: I I thought I had told you that story. No, I'm glad I can still shock you after all these years. Not two
2: weeks. Yes, you can still shock. Well, it's not shocking how much you're going to enjoy the Roxanne blend of coffee. I had a friend the other day say, I've, I try to just kind of wean myself. I figure, you know, I could just get something for three 99 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Listen this coffee is so economical it spreads the gospel around the world but she says nothing tastes like it i'm just gonna be honest with you go to mybrotherscup.com and click on the roxanne blend just just my name butterflies on the bag it's Mm -hmm. beautiful and of course ace has to have all the stylish mugs that go with it. it and it's fabulous and it makes you feel good and it's obvious when they receive the gift or when you get the gift that it's helping out spread the word about Jesus.
0: Yep, absolutely. If you want to find out more about it or order (laughs) yours today, go to Roxanneandace.com. And of course, tell them you heard about it on Roxanne and Ace Unlimited.
2: Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, so good to have you with us. And God is so generous in who he brings to us to talk to about the wonderful things of God tonight. Here to talk about love is a precious friend of ours. We became friends. This is how far we go back before... He went off to Bible college with his beautiful new wife, and they touched my heart so much, stayed in touch with me, came back, and now are being installed as the senior pastors of his parents' church, Victorious Life Church in Moundville, Alabama, which is, if you've never been, drop everything and just go, Mm -hmm. because you are going to feel the presence of the Lord Jesus. Your life's going to be changed. The outreaches they do are so touching. They just did a ladies' tea that was just so cute. And I'm like, everything they do is is done with a great deal of love. It is our great pleasure tonight to welcome Pastor Josh What. Hi, Josh.
1: Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. So yeah, I'm just absolutely. gonna
0: I'm just gonna go ahead and ask, how does it feel to be a dad?
1: Oh, Lord, it is everything we dreamed of. It is a dream come true. Literally, I, that's so cliche and that sounds so corny, but I was laying in bed last night and I looked over and we were exhausted, but I looked over at Hope and I was <laughs> like, did you ever think that this would have been our life? And she was like, no, I really didn't. We struggled with infertility for a couple of years. Mm. And so this for for this to be where we're at, we're like, man, I am living the dream. I'm literally living the dream. It's it's perfect.
2: Well, and Trey is a mini me. If he looked any more like you, it would be
1: a little. It would be, it would be scary. Yeah. (laughs) He he looks just like me. Always has when, I mean, even in the, in the ultrasound pictures and like right when he was born, he's always looked (laughs) just like me. Looks like, well, at least I carried him for nine months. I know he's mine. She
0: gets a little credit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a
1: little bit. She did a little bit.
0: So I, I want to ask, as as a dad and knowing what having children does for you and how you under, have a better understanding of love and God's love, talk a little bit about, as you share to this week, about what it means to you as a father and how you've come to understand God better because of Trey.
1: Well, I think every stage that we go through in life is another revelation of the love of God. Our life from start to finish is a revelation of the love of God. So it starts with our relationship with our parents and we see God as a father. And then it starts with when we finally get married and our relationship with our spouse. That just adds another layer to the revelation of the love of God because we're the bride of Christ and all of those, you know, that layer. And then you, you have a kid. And then you get, I think, one of the highest revelations of, of God's love is, is being a parent, being a father, being a mother, and and discovering, man, this is something it started for me early. A lot of guys, and, and that's that's fair, they they have to see it to believe it. You know, they have to lay eyes on on the baby when when he or she is born that for it to set in. But um, we had prayed so so long for Trey that by the time we had the first ultrasound. And, uh, and I heard his heartbeat. I looked at hope and I was already bawling. And I said, I know he's mine from, I mean, I just, I know from the minute I heard his heartbeat, I knew, man, he he's mine and there's nothing I wouldn't do for that heartbeat. Mm. And he was, I mean, look, we're at like eight weeks when you hear a heartbeat for the first time. I mean, he was microscopic, (laughs) but there, the minute I heard that heartbeat, I knew he was mine and there was no demon in hell. I wouldn't fight for that heartbeat. I mean, it's just this thing you can't describe until you feel it.
2: So you wrote on Facebook and, you know, God's real sweet to me, brings me. I'm not on it nearly as much as I used to be, but I did catch something that really impacted me. You wrote, God has faith, but he is love. Love is who he is in the same way as faith people. We should definitely have faith but we should be love. Do clarify that we should have faith, but we should be love.
1: Well, that scripture over in Mark 11, which I love, you know, about speaking to the mountain and have faith in God. And a lot of teachers have broken that down in an excellent way that that actually is translated, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And we've talked about how God has faith and he speaks things into existence and all of this powerful thing about faith, which is awesome. I I love faith. But the only thing that the Bible really says God is, is love. Does he give hope? Absolutely. Does he give peace? Those are things that he gives. Does he have faith and does he use faith? Absolutely. Those are things that he has. But the only thing that he is, that he actually is, is love. And every other aspect of God is ultimately an extension of who he is. Therefore, it's an extension of love when he heals people. We could say, well, he's a healer, absolutely, but healing is what he does. Love is who he is. Mm -hmm. He heals people because he loves people. We could say he's a deliverer, absolutely, but freeing people, delivering people is what he does. Mm -hmm. Love is who he is. He delivers people because he loves people. And so I think while all of that's good and faith and hope and peace, all of these joy, all of these, sure, he has joy. He gives joy. All of these things that he has, that he gives, that he does are all incredible aspects of God. But the only thing when the Bible gets down to the nitty gritty about who God is, that it says he is, he is love, Hmm. does a lot of cool stuff, has a lot of cool stuff, gives a lot of cool stuff. And all of that's great and not to be diminished in any way. But when we see the word rightly, we see that it all comes from who he is and who he is is love. That's it. He's love.
0: Well, and Josh, I know, you know, as a dad, I think about the things that I do for my kids just in nature because I'm their dad, right? I I do the things and they may not, they may never acknowledge either with a thank you or even realize what has been done to set them up for whatever is coming or wherever we're going. It's just, well, dad's there. He'll do it. Right. And, And I realized as now with adult kids and teen kids at home, like, that's how God has always been. Like, he's there laying the path, taking care of the things. And, you know, you're talking about how each section, you know, each level of our lives is a new understanding of God. And especially when it comes to pain, like we don't think that God understands the pain that we go through, but think about when your kid cries or Mm -hmm. when they're hurt or they, you know, they fail a test and they're heartbroken or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up with them and you want to absorb all that pain. And that's how he loves us. If we have that for our own children, what an amazing reflection we have on that. How can we truly, I, I guess, express that in a way to understand that he does know what we're facing?
1: Well, I love that even in there's a scripture in Hebrews that says Jesus, of course, he's our high priest. And it says we don't have a high priest that it's in the King James, it says that's not touched with the feelings of our infirmity, which in other translations, it basically just means that doesn't know what we're going through. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that Jesus ultimately, I mean, I don't know, it's all through the book. I don't know how we forget it, walked through everything that we walked through. And so I remember being in a situation which I mean, in my short life, I've had hurt, and we all have hurt, but being in a situation where a friend had betrayed me, a close friend that I was thought was in my inner circle, and you trust friends that you allow in your inner circle. And when there's a betrayal like that, be it somebody listening with a divorce or a family situation or a friend, when there's a deep betrayal like that, you think nobody in the moment, you feel like nobody understands what you're going through. And I remember praying through that situation and the Holy Spirit reminding me that Jesus had a close friend that was in his inner circle that betrayed him, you know? And so everything that we feel is something that in some way he, he walked through and, and he knows, and he, that's, that's why he can go to the father and intercede for us because he can say, dad, it's rough down there. I was down there. You weren't, you sent me and I walked it and I lived how they lived and it's a hard place to live down there. So that's that's why it says he he intercedes. He prays for us daily. Why? Because he knows what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like down here because he walked it. He knows exactly what we're going through because he lived it. And so it, it's a constant reminder that no matter what we're going through, love walked through it first because mm-hmm. he is love. And love walked through every battle that I ever had to face before I ever got there. Love was already there. Whoa. I mean, come on now. Mm-hmm.
2: And we get a lot further with love than we do with condemnation, don't we? Mm-hmm. We're not to condemn ourselves. We're not to judge others. And yet in this society, all we hear are infighting between mm-hmm. denominations and, you know, the hate. Well, I don't like this pastor because he never went to seminary. Well, Jesus didn't. But right. but anyway, you hear. And, and I think it's just my opinion, it makes the devil just happy as can be because we Christians are fighting each other about ridiculous things. And we're not talking about what we're talking about right now. God is love. Right. Why do we do that, Josh?
1: Well, it goes back to this revelation ultimately. So again, Genesis 126, we all know says that we're made in the image of God. Well then we get over to the verse that we've been talking about tonight and over in first John 4 where it says that God is love. Okay, whoa. If I'm made in the image of God and God is love, I was made by love to be love, not not just to have love, because because we have wrongly seen love as an option, as an object, as something to be possessed, given, used as a tool of manipulation. Uh, all of these different things that we've wrongly used love to be. Mm-hmm. Love is not even something we have. If we're to be like God, it's to be who we are. And so if love is who I am, everything I do comes out of who I am, comes out of love. Everything I say has to come out of who I It's my nature because I'm a Christian. I'm Christ-like mm-hmm. and, and God is love. So as much as love is who God is, love is who I am when I meet people, they've just met love. That's that's at least what I'm aiming for. And yeah. I, I don't get there all the time. Sometimes we fail. We all make mistakes. But my goal is when I see someone in Walmart and they meet me for the first time, they've just met love. Whether they had seen love the entire day, they just met love. When I say something to, to you right now, you're, you just heard love talk mm-hmm. because I was made in the image of love. Therefore, I was made to be love. Not just to have it, not just to give it, not just to use it as a tool or or a toy, but to embody who God is, and that is love. Yeah.
0: Well, and Roxanne and I say this to each other all the time. It's kind of our driving force of, we may be the only Jesus that people see all mm-hmm. day. So how we treat each other, how we talk to others with our guests or whoever it may be, that sends the message of, well, I don't want to be a Christian because, you know, I see Roxanne and Ace and they're jerks, you know? Right. I mean, we have to represent <laughs> him well. Or when we mess up, like you say, we are going to, you know, blow it sometimes. Be quick to say, hey, I'm sorry for what I said, or I'm sorry that came out completely. I heard it differently in my head, and my mouth didn't tell my brain how to function there. Um, how to. Are, are we doing what we can to fully rectify when we've misrepresented?
1: I don't think so. And who am I to say what people are and aren't doing right but me? I mean, I've, I've got stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so because there's this culture in the body of Christ, and I hate to talk you know, badly of the body of Christ because it's, it's the body of Christ. I mean, it's his body. Mm-hmm. But there is this culture in, in the church world of if we're wrong, we're weak. To the point that we've even created settings where the altar is a place of you go there if you're broken and if you're messed up and ooh they went to the altar. I tell our people at our church, if we have an altar call, I'm going to be the first one down if y'all aren't coming. And Mm -hmm. if you come, I'll pray for you because that's my job. I'm the pastor. But if nobody else is coming, I'll be in the altar because the altar isn't a place for wrong, broken, messed up people. Mm -hmm. It's just a place for people because we're all broken in some Mm -hmm. ways. We're all dealing with different things. So I think there's this culture where we've um, assessed that if we're wrong, we're weak. We're to be ashamed for being wrong. When at the end of the day, Lord, who hasn't been wrong at some point? I think I was wrong six times on the drive over here from my house to the church where I'm at right now. (laughs) And I live five minutes from our church. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it happens, but in the same way that we're to be quick to forgive, we're to be quick to apologize too, so that other people can be quick to forgive.
2: Beautiful, beautiful message. And it's one that I needed to hear. And also if we're offering a critique It might be a good idea to ask someone if they want that. Right. Okay. I'm just saying Yeah. a lot of times I think we, it's like when it's like the gossiping when we're praying, well, did you, well, let's pray for so-and-so because of whatever, whatever. And it's thinly veiled. Right. sort of like when you're offering a criticism, you're not taking two seconds to think about how that might impact somebody. Right. And did they invite it? Maybe not. And, and again, if we are love, shouldn't that be what we're sharing with someone?
1: <laughs> right, right. And it should always be redemptive in nature. I, I tell people at our church, even if, God forbid, the time comes where I see something I need to talk to you about, maybe to correct you, it's always going to be restorative and redemptive in nature. In other words, God doesn't ever correct something in me without leaving me better and higher than he found me. He doesn't correct me in a way that pushes me down. He corrects me in a way, you know, when the, when the Lord talks to me, he says, son, you know, you, you're better than that. You can do better. You got this. You can do this. And then I, I leave the conversation with the Lord feeling better about myself, not <laughs> worse. Uh, it's, it's not godly correction or a godly critique if the other person leaves feeling worse about themselves because godly criticism is redemptive. It's restorative. It builds other people up and makes them better.
0: Pastor Josh Wyatt has been our guest, man. Thanks so much for your challenge this week, and uh, we look forward to having you back. Of course. Absolutely. Anytime.
2: So we've all heard the saying, you know, the dog ate my homework. So can you imagine? There's a couple in Boston. They're getting ready to do a destination wedding. Now there's a lot of buildup for that kind of thing. And they had a new puppy named Chickie, a.k.a. Chicken Cutlet a brand new golden retriever and the golden retriever decided to eat, eat the man's passport. (laughs) And as proof, there were still parts of it that Mm -hmm. this puppy had not devoured that he took to officials and said, everything is banking on me getting a new passport. Help me. I mean, we have uh, a destiny. It's a destination wedding. Yeah. Help me. And let me just say bat if you need a passport, you better get on it because people are waiting now six months. There's a backlog because people are like, woohoo, we can travel again. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, I need a passport. And it's taking forever. Yeah. But a lot of people got involved state officials, people in the media begging for this, holding up the little pieces of the passport. And boom, they made it happen. Thank God.
0: It is one of the things that, as an adult, I have, it's probably my least favorite thing is going through the passport process. Because I feel like my citizenship and why are you going? What are you taking with you? How long will you be there? None of your beeswax. <laughs> but you gotta tell them, or they don't give you a passport and you gotta plan far enough in advance, or you know. Now I didn't ever have a situation of a dog eating my passport, but <laughs> getting the new one.
2: Uh, well, have you gotten your star ID yet? I have not. Well, get ready, because that process uh, took me three attempts. Cause if you don't have exactly the right stuff, yeah, you you gotta start over. And right. it's And it made getting a passport look easy. So get ready. And they keep backing up the time you have to get it done because it's such a process. So just a little warning, getting your star ID. I mean, when I finally got mine, it was like, oh, the angels (laughs) are singing. I'm showing it to everybody. So I'm glad it's done. All right. As we wrap up tonight, I just, I don't know why this amuses me. But as the little kids are walking through the Magic Kingdom there at Disney World, everybody's all excited. Look, Mama, there's a bear. Only, huh, it's funny. The bear's in a tree. And there's no fence. Oops.
0: And it's, and it's not a cuddly one there that you can take pictures with. Like, they literally had to shut down Magic Kingdom to get this bear. And fortunately, there was no injuries. Nothing happened. But these are the things that you, when you read about it, you're like, ah, that'll never happen to me. Can you imagine being... At Disney World and that, (laughs) I mean, talk about a vacation memory.
2: A good-sized mama bear... And they thought, well, maybe the bear is sick. I mean, they don't exactly try to get around a lot of people. And normally, and I didn't know this, the good thing to do with the black bear is wait till it comes down and wanders off. That's the best plan. Obviously, you're at Disney World. You can't do that. So they had to capture the bear. The bear was not sick. Apparently, fall is when the black bears forage. He, the bear was probably looking for a snack. I don't know why Disney World it didn't go, you know, right for something at a concession stand and went up a tree. But hey,
0: he was looking for Dole Whip. That's a <laughs> listen. Give, Dole him, whip. give him a big old plate. <sighs> Dole Whip. I know that's your love.
2: <gasps> and they have it on a on a limited occasion at our local zoo. And when they don't have it, both Wayne and I go, oh, and they go, oh, I know, we don't have it today. Oh. <laughs> It's I
0: would so think, good. though, with this, with your, with your new obsession with TikTok, that you haven't found a TikTok recipe where someone's <laughs> found a way to make it. And then you could just, you know, make it at home whenever you want.
2: Well, they have mixes. I, I'm going to tell the truth. And I ordered, but I ordered the wrong mix. Oh. I ordered orange, and orange ain't happening. It has to be pineapple for it to be the right Dole Whip. Just FYI, uh, good to if know. you order the mix, which you can do easily... Don't get orange. Just my opinion. But the bear probably said, I don't want no orange Dole Whip and climb
0: the tree. That's why he climbed the tree. They didn't have what he wanted, a concession stand. (laughs) So while you get your Dole Whip or whatever you need for the week, have a great one. Of course, we want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for being a part of the show. Have a great weekend, Roxanne. I love you. I love you, too. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited.
2: To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at Roxanneandace.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.